Hey everybody, this is Flavio. Before we start episode 11 of the Hawthorne Towncast, I want to give a quick shout out to the Hawthorne High School Bears who are playing Glenrock tonight, October 23rd at 6 p.m. for the division title. So let's go Bears! And uh, you can see it on YouTube. You'll find the links on the community pages and make sure you get out there and cheer your team on. And now we're going to head over to Sam Nygaard on Lafayette Avenue and Van Winkle. And we're going to talk to the gallery recording studio. Uh, Sam's going to tell you about his history from graffiti to music and more. And then we're going to slide right next door to Moe's Guitars and uh, talk to him about his business and his passion for guitars. And uh, also, make sure that you, uh, if you go in there, you ask him about his Moe's hot sauce. Make sure he tells you that story. All right, enjoy the episode, everybody. Go Bears! Hey everybody, this is Flavio Romeo, and this is another episode of the Hawthorne Towncast. This is uh, this is our sec. This is take two of this particular interview because the first one we did the uh, the file got corrupted. It was all bizarre, uh, so uh, he graciously granted a second interview. As busy as he is, I am on the corner of Van Winkle Avenue and Lafayette Avenue, right next door to Moe's, and we're going to have Moe's, Moe on the second part of this podcast. So Moe's is, is, is uh, a brand new guitar store. It opened up in August, and let me tell you, they're, they're the most beautiful guitars I've ever seen, and I'm not a guitarist, but based on what I've seen, it, it, they are spectacular, and they, everyone has a story. So we're right next door to Moe's, and we're at, it's, 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 a, it's a changed a couple of names. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, it's a little <laughs> I, bit of an anomaly over here. I am with Sam Nygaard. Sam Nygaard is the owner of the Gallery Recording Studio that used to be Shop Local, Rebel Child Designs, and then there was something with a moon in it. Yeah, there was uh, Strange Moon Creative Solutions at one point. And, and I'm a man of many hats. <laughs> so <laughs> in, in talking to Sam, what I, and you could talk a little bit about each one and, and how you've evolved sure. to where it is now. So give, give me a little bit of your past here. So where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We, let's start before, before we get into the business part. Of okay. It. Let's go back to, I know you didn't grow up in Hawthorne, right? No, no. I grew up in the, uh, like the Teaneck Englewood area. I went to Teaneck High School. So tell me a little bit about your evolution, your personal story, because you know Sam Nygaard is a, an amazing graffiti artist. We're going to talk about his books. He's an author. He published three different books, all available on Amazon. Yes, sir. All you have to do is run a search for Sam Nygaard, N, as in Nancy, Y, G, A, R, D, as in David, Sam Nygaard. So you grow up, you're born in, in Englewood, Teaneck area. Tell me a little bit about your childhood and, and how, how you evolved as an artist. I mean, I, I come from a very artistic family. My father still to this day is a professional artist. And, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was definitely a major influence in my beginnings. He must have been proud seeing that you had a book out on Amazon. Uh, I mean, you know. He, I'm just trying to be like him at this point. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, my older brother's also, he, my older brother is actually the one that introduced me to graffiti because he was doing it before I was. Really? And, you know, you always want to follow in your older sibling's footsteps, yeah, whether absolutely. it's right or wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I know my mother is not too proud of that. <laughs> that, that, but, that but it's gotten me to where I am, so yeah. I guess it's okay. But um, I began my graffiti endeavors at a very young age. I started following around my brother, 
probably like age nine, ten, wow. running around the streets with him, really? tagging up, getting in trouble, yeah, vandalizing things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, now, did you have your own little tag that you came up with? That you? Yeah, I had a bunch over the years. I, I had to change them a lot because I honestly I was just getting arrested constantly. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like if you're a thief. And you leave your name card exactly. on the table after like you steal alone, everything. Like the wet bandits. The wet bandits, exactly. <laughs> it's like this tag, I know this guy. <laughs> I remember when I was probably like 11 or 12, it was the first time I got arrested for graffiti and I was writing, what was I writing back then? I think I was writing like Hawk or something stupid like that. That was your your, and, your um, name. I, I got in trouble for writing that and then I went, when afterwards I ended up just writing it again. Just, you know, stupid little kid. What was I thinking? <laughs> and this, uh, there, there was this police officer in Teaneck, Officer Ryland. I'll never forget him. He pulls me to the side and he's like, yo, what are you, stupid? <laughs> I see it all over the place. We know it's you. <laughs> like, we know where you live. What are you doing? But uh, So he's the one that recommended change it up a little bit? <laughs> I mean, in one way, one way, shape, or form. Yeah, he was yeah. kind of hinting to me, like, yo, listen, if you're going to do this, be smart. Right. You change it up every week or so. Come up with something. I don't, I don't know if that's what his intention was. or Maybe he was trying to get me away from the streets, but, yeah, but that's, it that's, didn't work. It, I, I just went harder. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't tag the same name. I got a little taste of fame, and I wanted more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the the... What I love about the art in your book is that it com- it brings what you what you learned during your graffiti days, during your street art days, and it brings it to the canvas. Yeah, yeah, and and I love that. I love the combination. You can come to the store. It's 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 usually open. It's right on the corner of Van Winkle and Lafayette, just to take a look at some of the things he's done. Because is this all you? Um, a lot of it is, but it, there's also a lot of other uh, local artists sprinkled in here. And and one of the books that you'll find on Amazon, or two of them, they're they're graffiti coloring books. That's right. Yeah. And and what's cool about that is, you know, they have all these adult coloring books. I know yeah. I, I got some for my mother. It's <laughs> you know, huge right now. Been in the hospital. Yeah. And and they have it for different ages. What I love is that it brings street art, you know, to to not so much a vandal's thing anymore. Right. 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 You know, so it gives it gives kids and adults the opportunity of experimenting with 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 graffiti art in the book i mean it's it's something that every child is kind of like enamored when they see large scale pieces of graffiti in the streets i remember when i was a kid and going to the city and seeing everything on the walls and it was just it blew my mind so because it wasn't it wasn't just someone with a white spray can spray right, painting right, their right. name these are and that's and i love that those are you know, massive pieces like the piece that you have behind you. I picture that on the side of a building on a subway you know, bar, in like the 80s thirty-five or feet. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. man. And you know, you're taking something of that scale and shrinking it down and putting it in front of a child that showing them, you know, even something so massive and 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 done in in extreme circumstances is can be simplified. And and it's it's you're showing them it's still art, right? Like, you know, it's... Because it is, you know? Yeah, because, you know, you look at it and... Oh, it's vandalism, vandalism. And and there is that aspect of it. Of course. But when someone brings, like, the stuff that you've done, the stuff that's in your book, when someone brings that level of art to not only to the streets, but then to a child or an adult who always looked at it more like scribbling or, you know, like vandalism. Right. But then you look at it, it's like, no, no, this is art. Absolutely, and you can and you can create it, and and I, I feel like you would appreciate it more once you get 100%. into one hundred percent. Yeah, because, 
you know, I don't, I, guys, I don't know how many of you have ever used a spray can. It but, ain't easy. But I could tell you, the lines that they get, <laughs> the highlights they get, the outlines, the precision, this is not, this is not, it's not a, you know, it's not a kid's game. It's crazy because I, and I always tell people about this, nowadays it's so different because they make low pressure graffiti spray paint. It's specifically for writing on the walls. Oh, is that they right? They have interchangeable caps that you can put on them. They actually make cans yeah. for, really? Yeah, there's a, there's a, comp there's a bunch of different companies. The, the found, the, I guess the godfather of the graffiti spray paint movement was a company called Montana. And they, now, you know, it's like you can get a can of spray paint for 12 bucks. It's crazy. Wow. Um, they make them with interchangeable caps so you could do thinner outlines or thicker lines. So, yeah, so they're specifically designed There's for that. There's a niche for it now. That's cool. Where back in the day, you know, we would have to get whatever was on your shelf at your local hardware store. Yeah, and then here you are a kid with 12 cans of spray paint I mean, going I'm not. I'm not going to tell you how we got them. It's like, it's like, it's like <laughs> buying we, eggs. On, on Goosey Night. Buying. Yeah. I do air quotes when I say buying. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're a kid, it's, you can't just walk up and uh, purchase that many cans of spray paint. Yeah, they, they know what they you're doing. They won't let you. Yeah, they yeah. know what it is. So yeah. we would uh, obtain it in other ways. and uh, But we would get creative. You know, we used to take the stock caps that used to come with spray paint. They were full of drips. They would get clogged. The yeah. lines were sketchy. So we used to get... Um, we would take the caps off of spray-on oven cleaner, take those caps and put them on the spray paint. Ah, you would get it, cleaner lines with it. Yeah, because it shoots yeah. it shoots a finer line, right? Well, we take the, uh, you get the little stir straws for coffee, Yeah. and you cut it, and you jam it in the nozzle, in the tip of the nozzle, and that's how you get your thin outlines. Wow, that's cool. Ingenuity, I, you know, man. Hey, for you young guys out there listening, <laughs> yeah, I hope you're taking notes. Yeah, you, you know, they, go, they don't understand, man. You had to pay your dues back in the day. Yeah, you got all of all of the things that you would see on the walls in like the '80s, '90s, and even earlier than that. Guys really put in work just to make that happen. Yeah, you know, and it's 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 not a quick thing. I mean, nah, some of these all. pieces, it's hours. I mean, and you're there, you're there for all hours. Done. Well, the most of it is done in secrecy in the middle of the night yeah. in complete darkness. Yeah. You know, anybody that's an artist can tell you they need proper light to do this, that, and the third, and everything needs to be perfect in their settings, and this ain't like that, you know? You might get... I remember one time when I was a kid, I was in a freight train yard at like three in the morning, and we're, I was with two other people, we're doing our thing, and um, we hear... <clears throat> pardon me. We hear some banging coming down from like the other end of the tracks. We think it's the cops, obviously, so we're hurrying up, we're getting out of there. Yeah. And then we see sparks... So we're like, what the hell's going on? Next thing you know, we see the sparks coming at us real quickly. What we realized was that it was somebody with a large piece of metal or something like that running at us, and they were scraping it on the side of the train. And really? The sparks, and they were running at us. Like so threatening you, like... Yeah, like, get out of here. You know? Wow. And that was the big thing with the, the freight train yards, is you got to deal with a lot of, like, the hobos. And yeah, yeah, dudes, people sleeping there. will kill you. Yeah, no you kidding. Know? So aside from cops, you're also watching your back for... Other people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was insane. It was fun, though. You know, and here's... <laughs> and, and the other thing about graffiti art and street art is that you got to remember something, that Keith Haring... Yeah. Uh, Basquiat. Basquiat. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they started as street artists. Yeah. I mean, they start, started in the streets. They had their little imprints. They had their little logos. They yeah, had their... All of the all of the famous Keith Haring paintings that people know him for... He used to tag that stuff all over the city. He used to walk around with a little marker. He'd tag it up in the subways. And yeah. All that. 
people don't realize that. Yeah. Basquiat, before he was, you know, a fine artist, if you will, he was Samo. He used to write Samo, S-A-M-O. I mean, he was just tagging out in the streets. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Humble beginnings, man. Yeah. So... So now you're doing this as a kid. You're growing up. Your your artwork is evolving. You you what what brought you to Hawthorne? Um, low taxes. That's a good reason. <laughs> nah. So we were uh, my wife and I. We this we've been here for about eight years now, and we had one child at the time. And uh, we were house hunting for almost a year, but we were looking primarily in Bergen County in the areas that we were familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Good and, luck. Uh, by recommendation of our realtor, he just said one day, you know, you ever look at Hawthorne, it's right outside of Bergen County, taxes are much lower. So we entertained it, and literally the only house that we looked at in Hawthorne was what we ended up buying. Really? Yeah, and it was a complete fixer-upper, and just kind of made it our own, and here we are. How long ago was that? That was about eight years ago. Nice. Coming up on nine, actually, in October. You know, and, and the funny thing is, I see a lot of a lot of comments on the uh, on the town boards, the community boards, and social media, Complaining about the taxes. Now, I will say this. I, I have seen, I like to keep my eye on real estate, and I will say this. There's a lot of places in town that the taxes are ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my block is pretty cool because I'm, I live a block away from Bridgewood, and, uh, you know, you, you go across that border, and the taxes are probably twice as much as where I'm at. Yeah, it's, everything's twice as much. You know, in, in comparison, it's it's not too bad. Yeah, it depends on which which side you look exactly. at. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're looking at other towns, but you know what what this town has to offer is is quite a bit. I mean, yeah. you know, and in talking to a lot of people, they're like, yeah, it'd be great to have some more community events, some things in the park, like art in the park, dude. I would love to see. Yeah, I did the first art in the park. Did you? I was one of the vendors there. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, but I, I'd love to see a lot of this stuff. Like a lot of, you know, have a whole graffiti section. I, I mean. Get a lot of, you know, have, have, a, a, have your own you show. Know, people don't know, but there is a scene around here. Yeah. <laughs> There's other artists as well that, you know, are local that would love to do something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so now here you are. You moved to Hawthorne. You open up the store. Yep. Now the store, when it first opened, was... When I first opened, it was Shop Local by Rebel Child Designs. Gotcha. So Rebel Child Designs has been kind of like my brand name for it was years before I even moved to Hawthorne. Right. Um, <clears throat> I added the Shop Local part because I wasn't sure. I still wasn't. I was familiar with the town. Obviously, you know, I've been here for a while, but I wasn't sure how well received the name like Rebel Child Designs was going to be. Yeah, I get be that. A too I get that. For people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to do something that was a little bit more family friendly, more of like a household name, and I thought, what well, better than shop local? Everybody's everybody wants a shop before. local, yeah. yeah. So I started out with that, and uh, maybe a week or so after I opened the shop, we found out that my wife was pregnant with twins. Twins, <laughs> yeah, yeah, twins. and we had two at the time, so the twins were third and fourth babies. And um, once I found that out, I'm like, man, how am I going to keep up with? running the business, keeping up with regular hours yeah, and all yeah. that. And um, anybody that's ever been in here before, they, everybody used to always laugh because I had a sign in the window with my hours, and it would say 10 to 5-ish, <laughs> 10 to 4-ish, <laughs> you know, certain days. And then I would have, like, a little message on the bottom, like, look, <laughs> here's the deal. <laughs> if you need me, text me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it, was, it was very difficult keeping up with that. And uh, despite having... A lot of help from friends and family and all of that. It was uh, 
keeping up with the hours, especially around the holiday season, sure. it presented too much of a challenge. And I could have made it work, but I felt like I was pulling away too much from what I really wanted to do right. in order to cater to other things and to make money. Sure. And um, so I decided to pull back and things just kind of organically happened and other situations arise and it, we're... Where we're going in life is, is, is like a constant... It's constant change. Constant change, yeah. you know. Well, it's like we talked a little bit about it. It's like, it's like art. You know, any artist, whether you're a musician, you're, you're a stage artist, or you're a, um, you know, a, a oil painter, or, you know, whatever the case may be, you're going to evolve. Your work's going to evolve as, as your life evolves. Absolutely. Things, you know, priorities become different. Things change in your life, and, and you start to to focus more on where what's bringing you joy what's yep. bringing the joy and and i could tell what's bringing you joy because now the evolution of shop local is you've now opened the gallery recording studio yeah yeah so aside from the uh visual arts music always played a major role in my life sure and um it's something that i was heavily involved in growing up i used to rap i used to make beats oh did you really and yeah all of that stuff and um, that's really Aside from like graffiti and all of that, that's what everybody knew me for back in the day was rapping. And this is like pre Eminem, you know. So this was before, you know, once Eminem came along, it was like anybody that's white that raps is, oh, you're Eminem. And uh, <clears throat> I hated that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was kind of like where I got my beginnings in music. And um, later on in life, I, I created a, a business with some of my closest friends and we. We ended up opening a recording studio in Hackensack. And, you know, this was before kids, marriage, and all of that. And um, did that for a number of years. I toured with bands for a number of years. <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, these allergies are uh, beating me up today. Yeah, change of, change of seasons. Yeah, man. <clears throat> so, uh, flash forward to marriage, parenthood, and all of that. The music scene was just getting a bit redundant for me. It was all of the business side of it. It was kind of consuming me, and I wasn't liking it. So I pulled back, ended up getting a regular job, did that for a few years. So anyway, flash forward now, <laughs> the shop local thing is, is changing, and I'm slowly noticing that the whole visual arts thing is kind of digressing more into me wanting to go back into my basement and paint just to paint and not worry about who's going to buy it and all right, that. Right, right, right. So I, just I, I was really just, yeah, exactly. I really just wanted to create and I wasn't sure how I wanted to go about it professionally. And right at that same time, my best friend from the past who I had the studio with, who I never lost touch with, by the way, but he hits me up one day randomly Yo, I'm managing these two artists, and you. I need, and by artists, I don't mean visual. I mean musicians. I need you back in this with me. I, I don't want to keep doing this by myself. We had a good thing going. You got to get back into it. So, I got back into it, like playing double dutch, jumped right back in, <laughs> and um, almost overnight, we had a recording studio set up in here, and and here it works. It, it works, works, man. And this is this is the the only recording studio in Hawthorne. I. I there may have been in that the past, I know of. yeah, but I've never, I've never heard of another recording studio, and so, so what kind, what can they do here? Like, I, I know you have, you have podcast setups here. Yeah, we have, we have 
podcast setups. Um, we're actually in the process of starting a podcast network, but um, oh, maybe, gotta, maybe gotta, we'll have to talk about putting that the on the form. hush for now. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk behind the scenes. All right, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a full Pro Tools recording set, studio, vocal booth, all of that good stuff. So we could do, we can pretty much house anything here. Um, music, we've done voiceovers for audiobooks here. We've done uh, voiceovers for commercials here. All different sorts of things. Nice. You know, now is with the pandemic and everything, now's the time to get creative and try new things. So yeah, yeah. You know, we're open to whatever. And if someone wants more information, I know you've got a website. We do, yeah. It's it's. I always tell people the best way to reach us really is on uh, Instagram, which okay. is at the gallery recording. At the gallery yeah. recording. That's the best way. Okay. So go on Instagram, at the <clears throat> gallery recording. And this is if you want to record anything. I mean, he's got the podcast set up. If you want to start your own podcast and you don't want to lug around everything that I have to lug around all the time. <laughs> you got a good thing going for you, though. Yeah. You know, you can you can, you can can come here and, and there's a professional mixer. Yeah, we... So our hourly rate comes with a professional audio engineer. Nice. So it's not like you're just going to go in a box and, and you're going to make sound and it's going to come out all hollow. He's going to he's going to engineer the sound mm -hmm. and make we'll sure it for you too. Yeah, make sure you sound you know you're the best you. Uh, and they could find you online as is the gallery.recording.com. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but again, if you have any questions, look 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 them up on uh, on Instagram at, at the gallery recording. And uh, Sam Nygaard, again, he's got, he has three books. He has Tormented Angel. If you get a chance, go on Amazon, take a look at that book. You'll see a lot of his artwork. And what I love is that you combined art and word. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, so Tormented Angel was really a passion project for me. It was, uh, <clears throat> it was something that I kind of did for about the span of a year. And it was something that I always wanted to do, just combine my visual art with, you know, something that's a little more personal to me, which is poetry. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, my beginnings were more of a rapping, hip-hop type of thing, but, you know, where do the lyrics come from? It's all poetry. Right, right. So it's something that I really wanted to tell my story in my way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I tell a few different stories, some of, uh, some of which are not appropriate for children. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, as a lot of know. our stories, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I love I love the combination of of not only the the art and the words, but your past of street art. You combine it. Um, you know, you could see the evolution of, of of just creating a piece like the one that's behind you and combining it with. You know, my favorite is still the Pinocchio painting. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, and and he has you have a series that I'd like <clears throat> to talk to you about, and then we'll wrap it up. In, in your book. You have a series of, they, it, it's, uh, what would you call it? It's like, they look like a bunch of gangs that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I had a series of paintings, and what I called it was Gangs in New York, The Untold Birth of Hip Hop, or something like that. I don't yeah, even yeah. remember what I titled it in the book. But, um, yeah, because this, this goes back. This goes back to late 70s, yeah, early 80s. This right? was, um, I mean, for anybody that's seen the movie The Warriors. You know, with the street Warriors. gangs yeah, come out and play. <laughs> so uh, anybody that's seen that movie has gotten a little bit of a glimpse of what I was portraying in these pictures. And uh, you know, because those are all the, real gangs. Those were, right? yeah. I mean, the who did I showcase? It was uh, the gangs that I painted were the Savage Nomads, the Savage Skulls, um, the Peacemakers, the Ghetto Brothers. 
um, the Filthy Mad Dogs and the Black Spades. Yeah. And those were actual street gangs in the, the late 70s in New York. So anybody that's familiar with that era, it was New York was like hell. It was oh, a mess. Awful. And it was run by street gangs, really. The cops didn't want any interference with that. So what happened was, just to tell a quick story about it, they were, the gangs themselves, they were getting tired of the violence and buildings burning down and all the chaos. So, yeah, because they're all fighting against each other. And it's all over turf. Yeah. And, you know, what turf? You're living in the slums. What street? Yeah, what street can I move yeah, up to? Man. So there was a gang called the Ghetto Brothers. And the Ghetto Brothers was one of the biggest gangs in the city. And they were a street gang, but they were kind of on the verge of becoming more righteous, like the Young Lords of the Black Panthers. And they were real big on, uh, it was mostly Puerto Rican gang. They were big on, like, Puerto Rican independence and their mm -hmm. heritage and all of that. So what happened was they started sending out what they called peacemakers to mediate conflicts within other gangs before they became violent. And eventually there was, there was going to be a big beef, and they sent their peacemaker to go mediate the beef, and he ended up getting killed. Wow, so, really? Yeah, so there was all this backlash, and everybody wanted to know, are the Ghetto Brothers going to retaliate? What are they going to do? So they determined that, you know, this guy, he died trying to make peace, so we want to continue that. So they called a truce. What they did was they called for two representatives from every gang in the city to come to the whole Ave, the whole Ave Boys Club in the South Bronx, and just this similar like, similar to Cyrus and the Warriors when he called for the yeah yeah yeah. It's so, a, it's uh, a, I mean it's like a mob thing too. You yeah, know, we exactly. get the five families together. Yeah, Got to handle wow. your own business. You yeah, know? and um, <clears throat> there were no police allowed. It was a locked door thing. There's uh, you can actually YouTube it and see actual footage, really, of the, of the meeting. Yeah, it's pretty heavy, and they ended up coming to a mutual truce. They all signed paperwork, and so now what happened was gangs or gang members were allowed to go into other people's neighborhoods where they couldn't go mingle before. Right, right. So now people started. So they were blocked. They're parties. starting to hang out together. Yeah, yeah. People are coexisting now. Different neighborhoods are starting to come right. together. And that's when it started to resonate in the music. They would throw these block parties and put on beats, and they would battle the b-boys. Right, and all that. right, right. And then that's when the rapping started. And so a lot, you know, to me, it's kind of like the unspoken birth of hip hop, which is crazy because you look at hip hop right now, and it's one of the biggest things in the world. Yeah, right. And then, and and I got sad news for you guys listening because you you see the in the book, Tormented Angel. He has these paintings. He has all the gang paintings, and you said sold them out. Right? Yeah, I sold all of them. They're sold. Yeah. So he's, he has he still has some paintings from the book that are available. And, and the one thing, I know we talked about this last time, is pick up the book, go to Amazon, look up Tormented Angel, but look up Sam Nygaard because he has two other uh, graffiti coloring books. And and if, if someone buys the book, Tormented Angel, or any of the other books, and they bring it, they bring it here... You're gonna uh, you're gonna tag the book for him, I'll right? I'll tag it up for you. Absolutely. <laughs> so so go on Amazon, check out the books. Again, I I love the artwork. I love that you married it up with with poetry. Um, look at that book, and then look at the other two books. And you know, if you have any recording needs, this is the only recording recording studio in town, and he has quite a setup. 
And you'll feel good just walking through the doors. I'm all about the vibes, man. Yeah, totally. It's all and you about feel good vibes in here. Yeah, and you feel it when you <laughs> walk in here. Sam, thanks so much. Thank you so much for coming by, man. And and I'm looking forward to uh, to talking to Mo. I know that yeah. you guys have you guys have gotten That's along. That's my guy right there. Mo's <laughs> the man. So I understand that every once in a while on a Friday night, you guys have your own battle, right? Yeah, we um. <laughs> <laughs> so every now and then, it's funny. So. Toward, towards the beginning when he first opened up, I went over there one day and uh, I said, you know, listen, man, you know, I know we make a lot of noise over there sometimes. If it ever gets to be too much, feel free to let me know to turn it down or whatever. And he looked at me and he said, you kidding me? Turn that up. Yeah, <laughs> he is. And I said, you know what? This is going to be a good relationship right here. Yeah, so you guys are so, like, yeah, man, we'll, we'll be cranking over here and uh, doing our thing. And then as soon as we turn the music down, He'll turn his amps to face our wall. He'll start cranking, and then we'll go back and forth. And <laughs> it, it's, it's a beautiful thing, man. And, and you know what? The, the fact that you both love music and you're both next to each yeah. other just by a freak of nature. And it's not a it's not a, a, a sign of disrespect or anything like that when we do stuff like that. It's it's more of a uh, we're both sitting over here smiling, <laughs> feeding off of the energy. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly what what both you both you guys bring because I did talk to Mo and we're gonna talk to Mo right after this. So again, Sam, thank you so much. I wish you mu I wish you much success here. Hey, Amen. And uh, happy to be on this. This is very cool. Yeah, and I'll let you know when it comes out. And now we're gonna step over to Mo's. All right, hang on, everybody. All right, everybody. Here we are, right next door to Sam Nygaard's shop. The the shop of many names, shop local. It's right across the street from the Jaguar repair shop. So if you're if you're picking up your Jaguar, make sure you come across. But right next door to Sam Nygaard's shop is the store just opened up in August of this year. Uh, I want to say post COVID, but we're still kind of in the middle of COVID, and it is one of the coolest shop. It's one of the coolest shops in Hawthorne. Uh, it, I'm I'm sitting right now in Mo's Guitar Shop. And I'm sitting here with Mo. Mo, I can't tell you how excited I And I'm not even a guitar guy. Like, I, I appreciate guitars. I appreciate the sound. But just coming in here and talking to you for a few minutes, I am so psyched to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me. And it's wonderful to see how receptive all the parents and the residents of Hawthorne that stop in are to the store. Well, and, and you know, because the kids have been home... Most of the kids aren't going to school. You know, it's summertime. Everybody's been shut in. And the parents are constantly looking for ways to entertain their kids or for their kids to do stuff that's not on their phones and that's not on their PlayStations. So so tell me a little bit about the kind of response. You've, you've been open since August. Tell me the kind of response that you've had in town. Yeah, the uh, a, a big positive response from parents walking by that are actually themselves have an interest in learning to play guitar during this pandemic. But a lot of kids coming in the store, young adults, young kids, I'm going to say from ages five on up to 16. Wow. Some of them that absolutely play mind-blowing guitar and have zero interest in Snapchat or cell phones. And to me, that's inspiring because I'm an analog guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's no duplicate uh, in the digital world for what an instrument can produce from a person's fingertips. Well, and that's that's the amazing thing. And again, I, I do appreciate I appreciate music. And you hear so many different guitars, like, you know, 
Eddie Van Halen may rest in, in peace. You know, he master. He, he developed a sound that no one had heard up until that point, and even going as far back as Jimi Hendrix. You know, when when he picked up a guitar, you just hear these sounds that it's like you didn't hear it before that, and and you didn't even hear it after. I mean, he did so many different things. Yes, and the beauty is he had virtually zero outside influence and didn't listen to music. So the point with that is if you're passionate and have a desire to play the instrument, don't let anybody box you into a corner. Oh, nice. All right, Learn so explain that. Explain that. yourself. Yeah. Be artistic. Don't get overwhelmed in the theory and the technical aspects. Let your soul and your personality come through. And you may do exactly what Eddie did. You know, going going to art school. I went to art school uh, after high school. And it's, it, it's, you know, when you look at paintings like Jackson Pollock's paintings or you look at some of the abstract expressionists and, and even the, you know, the impressionists back to, uh, you know, going back to Manet and Monet and, and just expressing themselves on a canvas. I feel, I feel it's very similar. It's still, it's still an art form. It's a performing art. It's an art form. Yes. Uh, rules are good to know. Theory is great to learn. And then once you learn it and you know the rules, Break them all. Right. Break them all. <laughs> I love you saying that. How long, you know, you look like you're about 28 years old. So, <laughs> so how you. long <laughs> How long have you been playing guitar? How old were you when you started? Well, uh, six years old when I'm, I started. February, I'll be 60, as much as I hate to admit it. Wow. Or maybe 61. The mind's not as sharp as it was. <laughs> uh, so a long time. Yeah. But not long enough, as Andre Segovia said, the beauty of the guitar is in a few seconds you can pick a melody, and in a lifetime you can never master it. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and just in talking to you before, guys, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I have never talked to someone as passionate about an instrument as I did in the conversation I had with Mo. And we're going to dabble into that a little bit because, you know, looking around at the guitars, this is not, you're not, you're, this is not a Walmart store. You're not going to go down and you're not going to pick up a $99 guitar here. He has a passion for tone. You mentioned Absolutely. your passion tone for tone. Absolutely. Tone and tone woods. Um, I've always thought that if a tree's life is taken and not repurposed, that tree which provides oxygen, was taken in vain. That's a good point. When you take a tree's life to construct a beautiful instrument, which is a work of art in itself, that lives on for centuries. So you bring up a good point. Before we started, I was talking about your prized possession in the store, and you pointed out a very specific, you went. You, you didn't even hesitate. Yes, you went the to Warrior Isabella 59. The Warrior Isabella fifty nine now Brazilian. So I want you to I want you to talk about what makes that first of all talk about Warrior yes and then what makes that so special you you've obviously have been playing for so many years you you have so many different styles of guitar so many different sounds what makes that different than anybody just picking up another instrument yes so 
the first and probably foremost important thing are the materials used to construct the instrument. And unfortunately, in a world today where all manufacturers spin everything for maximum dollars and maximum sales, they're not always quite honest. Uh, some of the biggest, most recognized names when they post specs to their guitars will say mahogany. What most people don't realize is there's only three main species of true mahogany. Everything oh, really? else is a subspecies. Okay. Uh, subspecies are usually somewhat inferior in density of grain, lightness of wood, transportation of vibration in tone, and it's usually wet, which means it's continuously moving. Oh, wow. In addition, the subspecies not only being used on a lot of instruments is used to level your floor in your kitchen. It goes by the name of Luan in Home Depot. So a lot of instruments out there that people are led to believe are being manufactured out of mahogany isn't quite true. It's not the, they could say 100% mahogany. And even then, if you get into the three main species, it's graded A, B, C, you know, based on age, grain, uh, tonal characteristics. So what makes this instrument special is the company is a small family-owned Christian-based business in business, I think, 26 years out of Georgia. Everything is made the old school way. The tops are hand-carved, so if you ordered two of them, no two tops are going to be identical. They're all handmade. They're not CNC machined right. made. Uh, the, the backs and necks are 100-year-old grade-A Honduras mahogany. Wow. And the fretboards are grade-A Brazilian rosewood, which is an endangered species, but it's available through, obviously, certain vendors' license protecting the rainforest. With that being said, once this instrument is corrected, is uh, manufactured and put together, and all of the hardware and pickups are installed, and they string it and start playing it, they start recarving the top, much like a violin. Really? Or uh, D'Angelico jazz. Is it to get guitar. the sound right? Is that what yes. it is? Really? Because basically, that those strings are going to vibrate from the headpiece down to the body, into the pickups, out through the amplifier. So you just can't slap wood on wood and say you're going to get an optimum tone right. unless you tune it. So you want that whole instrument from the headstock to the neck to the body to the front to the back to respond as one piece of wood. So, so after they put the whole thing together, after they, you know, all the terminology that you use. So when they, when they put it all together, they'll sit there and they'll play it to make sure that it's the tone that they want from that guitar. Yes. And the, the end result is a, a beautiful clarity of separation of notes between strings, as I let you hear. Yeah, earlier, yeah, it was awesome. Can uh, compared to something made out of inferior material, yet using the same components, they sounded totally different. Absolutely, and you know what, guys? I'm going to play that a little bit later. I recorded it on my iPhone, and I'm going to play that a little later so you can hear the uh, the difference in between the two. Uh, so, I mean, how many? I, I can't imagine that there. 
I, I can't imagine there are a lot of companies in the U.S. that still manufacture guitars like Actually, that. there's quite a few custom builders in the U.S. I deal with five specifically that I've come to know and love and have a working relationship. A warrior being one, Harden Engineering out of Indiana being another, Normandy Guitars who makes aluminum chromed instruments which I have one in the shop. Really? David Thomas McNaught who I consider to be within the top three builders in the world. Wow. Um, Where are they located? They're also down south. Most are in South Carolina or Georgia. Um, wow. But just masters at their craft and what a lot of people don't understand there's a lot of pro players out there that will play you know the 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 staples the Gibson Les Paul the Fender Stratocaster Telecaster but when you get into these guys personal collections they all support the custom luthiers who build these instruments because yeah. they're just a cut above well I, I do have a friend of mine and I'm going to send a copy of this podcast out to, to Johnny Z who uh, built his own he built a guitar he was, he's a guitar aficionado so I definitely want him to hear this I want him to come down and, and uh, come down and say hello uh, so you can, guys, you can tell that he, Mo obviously has a passion for guitars. Um, he, and I love that you support the American brands because, so someone goes out and they're like, I want to get a guitar. I've been playing this, this cheap guitar. I want to go out and get a guitar. Some of the guitars that are sold in some of the mass retailers, some of the mass stores, um, do they take that same kind of time and, 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 you know, sit there and, and figure out if it sounds right. I mean, it, the process is different. Has to yes, be. unfortunately, no. Um, when my wife and I decided to rent the storefront, because we've been in business in Hawthorne for over 11 years, but by appointment out of our home studio, the pandemic and the collapse of commercial real estate actually brought us the storefront. That's awesome. Uh, which is a blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah. So what happens is, and it isn't that we're wealthy people, but I don't have the overhead of a store located on a major highway. Right. So this business was started and developed out of my personal pursuit to find the instrument with the best tone based on my ability as a player. Right, right. Have you found that yet? Not really. You're close. I'm still working. Well, that's why I own 90 of them. I'm Is that how many working. guitars you have? Well, that's that's what I've acquired in our collection, which half of them are in the store. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in search of that perfect tone. I'm getting closer, but I'm also finding out it's not necessarily the guitar. It's more your heart and your fingers. And what? what yeah, right. Exactly. Uh so the beauty of this shop, which I consider to be a pro shop for guitarists, is I live by my philosophy, which has always been, if I wouldn't play it, I wouldn't sell it. So we don't want to appear to be guitar snobs. The store was open to the public with the intention of providing everybody the very best service and quality of repair setup or instrument at the most affordable price point. And that means I have instruments in here for the young local kid 
who has a passion about the instrument starting at two ninety nine, but play as good as my instrument at eight thousand. Right, right. <laughs> you know, integrity and engineering of the instrument determine the outcome not only of its tone but ease of playability and inspiration to the student to continue and so many of these young players stop wanting to play or learn because the instrument is too difficult to play not ah. physically meaning it's tough to make a D chord because the guitar itself was never set up, doesn't play right, and even a person like your friend Johnny or myself wouldn't be able to play it because it came off the wall, it was put in a box by a salesman, given to the parents, parents take it home, give it to the kid, and three, four days later the kid doesn't want to touch the guitar because he can't play it. So when, when you mention the setup, what, what does that mean exactly? Uh, it's just making sure the neck is set to the right angle in the body so the strings are virtually effortless to press down on okay. to make a, a correct musical note to make sure the string tension is the right gauge for the person and their body strength or age. Uh, to make sure the ergonomics of the instrument. If you have a small child that's petite, you don't want a big guitar. Ergonomically, it doesn't fit. Sure. You know. And it, then they get discouraged. Yes. Because I it, can't do this. I can't turn my hand like Fender this. Fender Musical Instruments last year spent millions on a survey to find out what is the percentage of new beginners that drop out of learning in the first year. Oh, and what was it, do you know? 90%. 90% drop. Did, did they get in a little deeper and figure out why they yeah, drop? It's due to difficulty of playing the instrument. But here's where the I article mean, gets spun a little because they don't want to hurt a dealer network. Most dealers will not take the time to set up a guitar when it comes in from a manufacturer. Right as opposed to a car, as we discussed. A car dealer gets paid from the manufacturer to prep and detail that car, so when you pick it up, it's supposed to be right. Blinkers work, directionals work, everything lights set work, up. everything's set up. It should be yeah, a dealer pleasant prep. experience. Dealer, I mean, you pay, you pay more money for that. And you shouldn't. Yeah. Okay, so we'll get into that later if you want. With guitar manufacturing, guitar manufacturers don't pay dealers to set up instruments. Dealer's responsibility. So, manufacturer makes a guitar, ships it to a warehouse waiting for a dealer to order it. Uh, customer in Hawthorne goes to a store, buys the guitar, the dealer orders it, it comes from the warehouse to the dealer. Now the first question is, how long was it in the warehouse from point of manufacturing? Yeah, whoever, no one asked that question, right? It's wood. Wood expands, contracts, shrinks, ah, right. warps, bows, and moves. So now the dealer gets it. In shipping and receiving, they open it, they check it, they go, yeah, it looks good, okay, polish it up, tune it, put it in the box, call Johnny's parents. Johnny's parents may not be musicians, may not know. Run down, the kid's all excited, Mr. Salesman gives them the guitar, oh. doesn't demonstrate it, doesn't ask them how does it feel, is it too difficult to play. Yeah. And they give him the box, they pay, the kid goes home all excited, two, three days later, he doesn't want to play it. 
or the guitar doesn't stay in tune, or he goes to his teacher and his teacher says, did anybody set this guitar up? I get, on average, over the past two months, number one guitar to come through this store that doesn't play properly is the Fender Stratocaster. I set up, on average, 21 of them a month. You go through the setup of uh, almost one a day. And you read my reviews on Facebook, Google, they call me the Strat Whisperer. I love that. I mean, these are, <laughs> these are brand new guitars that have come right out of a store that people are coming here and paying to have set up correctly. Right. And part of my thing is your guitar is going to respond differently due to temperature and humidity in my store than your home. So you play it here, you take it home, play it three, four days. If you want it tweaked, you bring it back. I do it while you wait. I don't say put it in the corner, come back in a week. Wow, so, so un understand something. This is, again, this goes to the passion that, that Mo has for, for guitars and, and guitar playing. If someone has a guitar that either their child's been playing or they themselves have been playing and it's been sitting in the corner and now all of a sudden during this COVID, they said, you know, I want to take this out. I want to play it. It doesn't sound right. doesn't feel right. Can they bring that to you and say, tell me that process? So yes, we do uh, anything from vintage restorations, which as I was showing you, uh, right now we're doing one on a 76 Les Paul that was used by Steve Hackett in Genesis. Wow, that's that one right there. That's that one right there. We just restored a 54 Gibson J45 for a gentleman who lives in town who has a, a extremely valuable collection that he bought when he was a kid 15 that is now worth into the hundreds of thousands. Wow. And. We have an instrument here. I have a two-time Grammy award-winning flamenco guitarist, uh, Ramiro, who is actually the guitar trainer to the stars that I repair and set up all his instruments. Wow. So with that That's being amazing. said, whether it's a parent with an eight, nine, ten-year-old kid in town passionate about the guitar that needs a setup, his instrument gets the same attention that Steve Hackett's does. Yeah, I could tell. You know, when you have a passion, it doesn't matter who walks through the door. It's like you said, you're in pursuit of the perfect, the perfect tone. So whether that's your own guitars or somebody coming in off the street, you want to get it to that level where, where they're going to be happy and comfortable playing. I, you know, I would never even, and I'm glad you shared that, that, that 90% of the kids have picked up a guitar stop playing. I mean, it's a shame. Yeah. And you know, there's a, there's a lot of luckily, uh, kids in this town that are persistent about pursuing playing. Uh, one of the things I do and cause I'm a resident of Hawthorne, just as my wife is and our business is in Hawthorne is if you're a resident of Hawthorne and you need strings, come in, buy a set of strings. I'll string your guitar for free. Really? If your kid broke a string, come in, I'll give you the string. <laughs> you know, right, so, a dollar's not going to make or break me. So did you hear that? If you, got, if, you have, if you have a child, you have a guitar, your own guitar, your friend's guitar, come down to Moe's. I mean, you, you've got all the strings here. And you were talking a little bit about, about your string of choice. Yes, DR Handmade Strings. Yeah. And um, online, 
with six of the biggest manufacturers, but upon opening the store, we had to make a decision, and it was, my decisions were always based on quality as opposed to profitability. So the first thing was, do I really want to spend $12,000 with six different manufacturers to restock the same thing of inferior quality? Right. So throughout the years, as I ordered strings, I always give them the micrometer test. And the reason being, I would change strings on my guitar. I'd go, this time they feel slinky, this time they feel taut. They don't sound the same. They are unraveling at the end. The steel doesn't feel the same. So, so every string, every string from the same Different size. lots. What really? I would do is I would order all these strings from different lots, put the same gauges on the side, then open them, put them on a micrometer, which the legend, legendary Vinnie Bell, uh, who was the designer for Dan Electro, who now passed away, taught me this trick. Uh, him, Les Paul, Al Caiola, Tony Matola, they all used to do this. They would put strings on micrometers, either make custom sets or see how consistent they were. And DR Handmade Strings is the only of the six manufacturers that in three years has not failed the consistency test. Wow. And they're all handmade. Handmade, right in Westwood, New Jersey. Which is another point. If I order from the number one national selling string brand that's endorsed by everybody, I have the string in 24 hours. Which to me means they're pre-made, sitting in a warehouse, right. aging, waiting to get shipped. I call Anthony at DR. I place my order. I have them in 10 days. Because they're literally they're handmade. handmade to order. And the owner of DR was the owner of Guild Guitars in Hoboken, New Jersey. Oh, is that right? So nobody knows tone better than them. You know, again, I can't, I can't stress enough the, the, the passion that, that Mo has for guitars. And, and not only that, and I really do appreciate the fact that, that you're willing to go out of your way for residents of Hawthorne. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what we're doing. I know we talked a little bit about it. There are some some great values that you offer residents of Hawthorne. Like you mentioned, if they come in, they need a pack of strings, no problem. Let me string you up. I string them for free. If you have a broken string, I'll give you one. We have uh, some great offerings specifically for local residents on Gibson accessories and gig bags. Yeah, they have they have they have gig bags here that usually retail for what like a hundred seventy nine ninety five for residents thirty five ninety five. Yeah, it's like fifty percent off. You also talked about it was a very cool cable, the Gibson Tascam memory cable, thirteen hours of recording time, built in preamp. So if you're sitting on your couch, you're at you know you're in your basement jamming in that inspirational hook or riff comes along. Like where that did that come from? By the time you get upstairs to record it, you forgot it. Yeah, this yeah. cable will record it. You just pop out the SD card, put it in your computer, and there you have your lick. And again, this is another another thing that he's willing to give Hawthorne residents at a 50% discount. Yeah, they're usually 
Well, some people sell them over a hundred bucks. They usually retail at around 90 to 99. We have them at 59.95. There's only a limited supply of a dozen of them. That's all I could get through distribution. Yeah. Uh, so for those who want them and need them, it's also a great Christmas or Black Friday or Thanksgiving present. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you can go to Mo's Guitars, M-O-E-S Guitars.com. Take a look. I went on your website. I saw you've got you've got some of the most beautiful guitars. Well, on we there. have we only have I think as of this morning fifteen of forty five that's in the store, and we have another forty five in storage. But it also gives a diverse view of what else we have: speakers, tubes, amplifier parts. If you're a do-it-yourself amplifier builder, I have new old stock speakers, Celestians. Oh, that's cool. Um, I have racks of obscure parts that you'll probably find nowhere. You're more than welcome to come in, dig through them, and I have some of the best transformers in the world. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with the Hawthorne All Star Band, but they've been performing at the band shell for the last yes. the last three years, and and and. Brendan is, is one of them. Uh, little Stevie Seitzma is another one. So I know that Bobby Lamb, I know there's a lot of people. Oh, I love Bobby. There's a lot a of good friends. A lot of people listening that, uh, you know, if they haven't already been here, which I'm sure they have, then, uh, then I'm going to make sure they come down. Again, we're on the corner of Lafayette and Van Winkle Ave. We're right next door to Sam. I know you and Sam get along well together. Uh, Sammy's the best. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, Sammy... Uh, was one of the first people I ran by I said, you know, during this pandemic, a lot of people, including me and my wife and, you know, our family, have been hit with difficulties in different ways, financially, emotionally. Um, so I said, I, I, I really want to do something for those people who are in a position that go out of their way to help all of us daily. Yeah. Um, so what we came up with and sammy loved the idea was 10 percent off to all first responders law enforcement wow. vets in military on all accessories effects parts setups and repairs that's awesome and that's 24 7 you know it's 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 not like this month only come in save to 10 percent right if you're you're a first first responder my son's actually an officer in new milford um i mean without the doctors the nurses the fire department the police department yeah we'd be in a lot of trouble we'd be in a lot of trouble trouble. i appreciate them all and so guys listening uh it's it's not only for people in in hawthorne i mean if you have friends relatives that are outside of town that are you know other parts of the state other parts of the country He's willing to do this for all first responders. Absolutely. Everybody that's on the front line, everybody that's putting their lives on the line. Uh, we had one of my high school friends, Jimmy Nepper, who just became chief of police. So, Jimmy, if you're listening, you know, you got a lot of friends, you got a lot of people below you. Anybody that's playing guitars, anybody that needs an amplifier, anybody that needs accessories, make sure you bring them down to Moe's. Mo, you mentioned something about Jimi Hendrix guitar, and I want you to go into detail because, again, I'm, I'm not. I, I feel like I could be geeky. I, I appreciated yes. the story, but I, I'd like you to get into that a little okay, bit. Okay, so Hawthorne, you know, is Debbie Harry. It's known for it's known for bubble wrap, of course. Uh, which is super cool. But it also has ties to the Fuzz Face Dallas Arbiter, so, which was the, the first fuzz pedal effect used by Jimi Hendrix. 
You'll hear it on Purple Haze. It takes that clean tone and makes it, it makes all fuzzy. You'll hear it in on in a Gaga Devita. Uh, I mean, anything during the psychedelic '60s era. Right, right. So when we were building the store, a retired copyright patent attorney stopped in who's a guitar affectionado. From town? From town, lives here in Hawthorne, and it turned out that he represented the electrical firm that designed the Dallas Orbiter that Jimmy used, and they were here The, the one that he used personally? Yes, in Hawthorne. Wow. And what happened was there was a period, as the story was told to me, where they couldn't manufacture it because they didn't have a part. And one of the big manufacturers, thinking the copyright and patent expired, infringed and started remanufacturing with lesser components. Okay. With that being said, the son who... I believe inherited the rights to the original Fuzzface, found out and wanted to sue for licensing rights, which sure. he's entitled to. Yeah, absolutely. So what they needed to do was contact the estate of Jimmy's to get the Dallas Arbiter back. The original. The original. As, How easy would that As Could've... Exhibit 1. Right, right, right. Because uh, it was, I guess, the prototype of the first one mass-produced, and they actually obtained it, used it in court. How did they find it? And, well, you know, a, a lot of these people that are deemed to be untouchable because they're bigger than life are just a phone call away to manufacturers and right. guitar techs and guys, right, right. you know. Even like, who would think in Hawthorne you would have Steve Hackett's Les Paul? Yeah, no kidding. And it is a gorgeous you guitar. Know? Um, so they ended up winning the case, and when it was said and done, uh, the estate or the museum representing Jimmy didn't want it back. So the museum had the original. They That's were sent they found a replacement. It. And with that being said, the attorney asked the son, what do you want to do with this? He said, well, you won the case, you should keep it. So the original Dallas Arbiter used by Jimi Hendrix resides here in Hawthorne. Right here in Hawthorne. Yes. That is so awesome. There's a I lot of cool story. history walking through this this door. I, I've, As I said earlier, I had an older gentleman. We restored a Gibson J45. Uh, brought in three instruments that were probably collectively valued at over 225000 Wow. That he bought when he was 15, cutting grass in Hawthorne, and had no idea what they appreciated oh up to. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I had another woman uh, that has a 1910 Vega Fairbanks banjo, which eventually I think we're going to work on. But just a, a lot of really great pieces of Americana history, yeah. handmade artisanship, and just rare treasures that cannot be replaced. And today. most handmade in America yeah. I mean, at that time. All they, American workmanship yeah, and top cool. quality materials. Yeah. So, you know, I can't say enough about Mo. If you're a guitar fan, a guitar aficionado, if you're a collector, if you're someone that has a guitar that's been sitting in the basement and, you know, you didn't know what to do with it, bring it down. Come and see Mo. He, he's offering, he's got gig bags at 50% off. He's got the Gibson memory cable with the SD card. So if you're just diddling around and all of a sudden you love, oh, what was that I just played? Ah, I can't remember it. 
you you're, you're able to record it or even if even if your child is sitting there and they're they're playing as a kid you want that memory plug in the, the Gibson memory cable you can record it and you have it forever uh, bring it down to Moe's talk to Mo let him work on your guitar let him get the best tone that he can out of your guitar and and to your point you know if it's if it's if if it's difficult for the child to play they're not going to want to play no it. so if you can sit with them and and you mentioned and, and I, before we clo- finish up I, i'd like you to talk about how you had a couple of 15 year olds 16 year olds that came in T- tell, tell that story. I, I love that. Yes, and one of the things I like with this store, I call it, it's, it's also a store of inspiration for dreamers that aspire to own something more. So I invite anybody that even isn't in the market but is passionate about owning a world-class instrument, stop in, say hi, and gaze. And with that being said, when we first opened, I had a young girl about 15 come in the store from town right from town locally uh and she asked if she could play a guitar so you know i said as long as you're respectful sterilize your hands no belt buckles no buttons you know lose the uh knapsack with the big buckle sure so i give her the guitar she starts playing and i couldn't believe what i was hearing she was playing the most beautiful jazz in the tradition of Joe Pass, who was the master of walking really? bass lines and chord solo. So I said, stop, time out. Where'd you learn to do that? She goes, oh, my dad started teaching me when I was sick. I was six. I said, well, I need to plug you in, and you could sit here and play all day. <laughs> and she played beautiful jazz guitar, and I said, I don't get it. How come you're not enthralled with the cell phone and Snapchat and Instagram? She's like, I hate my cell phone. She's like, me and my dad, this is what we do for quality uh, time. We play awesome. music. That's, that is so good to hear. Which was really encouraging. Then the following day, I had another girl, couldn't be more than 15, and she said, you know, I have a friend who also stopped in. Was that other girl? let him play oh, something. Could I play a guitar? I said, sure, what would you like to play? And she went right to the... $7,000 David Thomas McNaught custom single. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so same thing, you know, look, I have no problem. I would love you to experience a world-class instrument if you're serious, but be respectful. And she plugged in and she started finger-tapping Eruption. Now, not in Eddie Van Halen's caliper, but better than most adults our age. Really? I'm like, where are you people coming from? She's like, oh, there's a lot of kids in Hawthorne my age that are just passionate about guitar, and we totally love it. And everyone that comes in here goes, Mo, you got the coolest store in Hawthorne, and thanks for letting us play your guitar. Absolutely. I mean, he does have the coolest store. And, And again, if you like, like he said, if you love playing guitar, it's almost like, you know, when when you want to get a motorboat or you want to get a, a yacht or you want to get a sailboat and you pin that picture up on your desk because so you can look at it every day and say, when I get, when I grow up, that's what I want. Or you want a cool car. Yes. This is that kind of thing. It's like, and so to be able to come in and take it for a test drive and plug in and just be able to play and see what a world-class guitar feels yes, like. Yes, now with that being said, I don't want people to think that we're guitar snobs. What we are acquiring are more intermediate priced instruments uh, 
you know, below $700, but the engineering and integrity is 100% spot on. Right. So a parent could come in and say, I have a budget of four, five, six, seven hundred dollars and I really want to get my child something that Eric Clapton can walk on stage and perform with tonight, and I have it. But in addition, any instrument you buy from us, for the lifetime of ownership, I service your guitar twice a year. You buy the strings, I do the setups twice a year at no cost. Really? So Wood shrinks, it expands, it contracts, frets, rust, solder joints, break. Somebody has to maintain that instrument to keep it in top optimum playing condition. The difference is I don't charge you to do it. Everybody else will charge you a hundred dollars to three hundred dollars. So if so if they buy a guitar here twice a year you can bring it it's like a tune up. Correct. Twice a year you bring it in Correct. and you're gonna tune it up, you're gonna get it back up to spec for free. Correct. Mo, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I, I, I love what's happening to this town, you know, in, in going through this difficult time of COVID and seeing so many stores close down. I love success stories like this. I love seeing new stores open up. There's new opportunities opening yes. up. And, and the fact that the kids out there, you know, if you're listening, you've got kids that are interested, bring them in here, have them experience it, have them aspire to, to get to a certain level and, and, and talk to Mo. I mean, you're not going to meet anybody that knows more about guitars than Mo. No, and I have to say, and I have to thank him, Mayor Goldberg was instrumental during the height of the pandemic. Pun in, intended, right? Yeah, <laughs> in getting this store open. Really? So, Oh, yeah, he probably hated my emails. But, <laughs> you know, I understood people in the municipal building were working from home. Sure. Uh, everybody was in a panic, but he got it open for us. Uh, in a timely manner. The town has been super receptive. Um, it's, it's just working out to be better than expected. So I'm going to say this to any small business that is looking to grow. This is the town to do it. In. Oh, that's, you know, that's so great. This to hear. is take, take the step. There's, there's plenty of nice properties. The people in town are super. It's a very artistic community. Um, we have painters, we have sculptors, we have guitar players, we have from every genre, from yeah. rock and roll to hip hop to rap. Um, and they're all great to speak to and work with. So if you're a business and you have something, come to Hawthorne. And, you know, I can't say enough about Mayor Goldberg. As you said, you know, I've talked to a lot of a lot of uh, businesses over the last several weeks. And, you know, he, he's been doing what, what he can for the town. Yes. And and that's why I love and And, you know, what, what was happening in the town inspired me to start the, 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 the podcast and, and to talk to people like you and... And, you know, when you see when you see some of these businesses failing and you see some of these new businesses, you know, as community members, reach out. You don't have to go out of town to 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 find the things you need. I have to tell you, I have many clients from Westchester, Hudson Valley that come here for guitar repairs and sales that I've dealt with for years. Really? And I had one this past Saturday tell me I would never think that there were so many good eateries in this town. Oh, we're, we're, we're. I mean, uh, 
You never have to leave. This is a guy in Westchester County. He's going, I can't believe every time I come here, I go to a different restaurant and I'm blown away. Yeah, you never have to leave. I mean, seven days a week, you're eating something different. And now, where is the farthest, where's the farthest guitar that you've repaired? Like, where, how far do you reach? I know we were talking a little. Dubai. Dubai. Dubai, like Dubai, Dubai? Yeah, again, this business has been around for 22 years, 11 in Hawthorne by appointment. Um, this is our first storefront, uh, but I have a book of clientele of collectors, affectionados, professional musicians, some world-renowned, some not, uh, that go from Dubai to Canada all the way wow. to Montauk. Uh, you know, I ship, you know, to Russia, to Canada, to the UK. Um, <laughs> I actually, you asked me when we spoke yesterday, what was the one guitar that broke my heart yes. that I let go? Yes. Okay, so everything has a price, unfortunately. And I'm a big fan of the Gibson Firebird that Johnny Winter played. Okay. So, and I've owned probably hundreds of them and sold hundreds of them. So... Maybe about a year and a half ago, through a trade with a foreign client, I came across a 64, it might have been, Frost Blue Firebird three, Super rare, vintage guitar, limited production color. I mean, this, this was... Really? Look at, look at the... the holy, you can't see the smile on his yeah, face. this was the holy grail, <laughs> you know, to me. Uh, and I had the guitar about eight months, and somehow, I'm big on Facebook, Instagram, uh, so if it's cool or it's a guitar and I like it, it gets posted. Somehow this photo got to Scotland, and one day I get a call by from a gentleman by the name of Ian, who turned out to be the former booking agent of the great Gary Moore, who... Nobody's a bigger fan of Gary Moore's than me. Really? So we must have spent about three hours on the phone discussing guitars, music, and Gary Moore. And he got to me. He got to me because he knew him personally. And I said, look, I don't wow. want to sell this guitar. I, I could almost cry as I'm telling well, you I this. could tell. I could but see I you getting said, emotional about I it. I said, man, if there's anybody I would want to own it, it's you. And you sold it to me. I said, only because... Of the respect and the friendship in the years you worked with Gary. And when he died, it broke my heart. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to offer you a stupid number. So you know it went to a good home and I'm not reselling it. I said, okay, how stupid. And my jaw dropped. I said, it's already on its way with DHL. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it to yes, you personally. Yes. I'm and on a plane. The amazing thing, in less than like uh, 16 hours, it was in Scotland. I couldn't believe it. That's amazing. But, uh, what a great yeah, story. That that he still has it and we still speak. Oh, uh, do I you got, really? Yeah, one day I'll get to Scotland to play it. Ah, that that's that's. But a great it completed story. his collection too, which this is a gentleman who has booked everybody who's anybody at the Hammerstein for years, and he had access to everything, and he needed one guitar to complete his that collection. That was the one. And Mo had it. Really? Yeah. So I let it go. Wow. I give you a lot of credit. That that had to be tough. I could tell just by your face that was a yeah, tough one. That was painful. So, so you know, just to recap, guys, if you love guitars, if you love hearing guitars, if you love looking at guitars, playing guitars, anything to do with guitars, 
you know, this is not this is not just your typical music store. This is a guy who knows guitars. So if you have a guitar you want to bring down, have them take a look at it. If you want to come down, bring your bring your children down, have them test it out if they're serious about playing. And if you're serious about playing and you just want to, you know, you want some advice on on the type of guitar and the size of guitar, because you know, as as Mo mentioned, if if you have a child that gets the wrong guitar, they're going to get turned off by it, and they're not going to play, and it's a shame. Or even if you already bought one, in the, and, you know, it doesn't have to be a child. It could be an adult is having difficulty playing it, or the instrument doesn't stay in tune. Bring it down. Let me look at it. Maybe just as simple as tightening tuners or stretching strings, or it could be as complex as a complete setup, but we'll make it play right. And you heard what he's going to offer. He's offering this to the, the community. He's offering it out to the community. You buy a pack of strings, bring your guitar. He's going to string it. He's going to tune it. If you buy a guitar here, he's going to tune it. Every he's going to give it a tune. Maintain up. it. He's going to maintain it twice a year. Of ownership. Yeah, that's which is pretty. It's pretty amazing. He's got. If you buy four packs of strings. You, you get a fifth free. You get the fifth free end. But you can mix and match them. So if you have an instrument you play drop D tuning in, you have another guitar you play slinky nines on for country, you have an acoustic where you use 12s, you can mix and match gauges and sets, and the fifth set is free. It's free. Your choice. But, so let's see. You say you bought four sets that is $7.99, $8.99, $6.99, and $7.99 in the fifth set is $12. Guess which one's free? The more expensive one. You know, you're not going to do better than this, guys. And, and, I, and I, that's one of, the, one of the many reasons I love this town is that it, the people, the businesses, they, they want to give back to the community. For, for all of us that are supporting the town and, and supporting the local business, this is what it's all about. And, and Mo, I can't, I can't thank you without enough for the, your time. Without the people in the town, we don't exist. We'd have no town. Exactly. Right. So stop spending money outside of town when you have so much to offer here in town. Mo, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm gonna, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to forward this to a couple of my friends that don't live in the area that are, that are big time. One of them lives in Denmark, beautiful guitar player. And uh, I, I know the next time he comes in, he's, he comes into he the U.S. He might be in my client book. Oh, he might be. You're right. You're right. He <laughs> might be. He might be. Uh, again, we're located right here. We're on the corner of Van Winkle and Lafayette Ave, right across the street from the Jaguar Repair Shop and right next door to Sam Nygaard and his, uh, his shop logo store, which is now they have a full-blown recording studio. So buy your guitar here with Mo. Take it right next door and record and record something at uh, at Sam's Sam's recording studio. Mo, thank you so much. Ah, oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.